Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. Before we get into today's message, we want to remind you that if you'd like to get connected to what God is doing here in our local community, you can text the word Cersei to 88000 for more information. There you can let us know how we can be praying for you this week, get plugged into a life group, you can give online, sign up for a serve team, and so much more. We also want to let you know that you can join us live every Sunday in person at 9 or 11 a.m. or stream our 11 a.m. service live every week on Facebook and on YouTube. Finally, you can find today's message notes in the Bible app. Just tap the link in the podcast episode notes to follow along with us. Now let's get ready to hear a great message today. to uh, speak today on the topic of dreams. And I think, uh, you know, as I, as I pin this out this week and I begin to, to think uh, through the things I'm going to share with you this morning, there were a couple of just uh, obvious things that popped up. And I think that uh, when we think about dreams, um, we think maybe about several um, ideas or concepts that we're just not connected to. Sometimes we think dreams are for children. You know, that's something that you do when, when you're young. You have a dream, something that's lofty, something that maybe we uh, welcome uh, into the lives of our children. But it's like once you've kind of drawn that line into adulthood, you go, that's not, that's not for me anymore. You know, I've got, I, can't, I can't be a dreamer because I've got to be a realist. Uh, there's just so much about life that requires a good dose of reality. Can I get an Amen. Um, and so we go, you know, hey, we lose our ability to be dreamers. Another thing is, I think as we read through Scripture, we think, well, that's something that God did for that group, or he spoke using dreams to that particular group of people, but now, you know, not, not so much. Um, we kind of tie it into things that we might believe have uh, passed or were for a specific group. And um, so, again, we kind of separate that out. You know, it's not, not for me anymore. And my goal really with this message today is to reinstill that, at least to, to make you revisit it, okay, to make you come back to maybe there's something in me that's been in me for a long time, maybe as a child, and because of your demand to be a realist, you've laid it to the side and you've, you haven't picked it back up again. And maybe for some of you, you've aimlessly wandered your adult years and you don't have a dream, but you need one. You need one for direction. You need one to have, to have purpose. And you're just not at that, that place. And I'm not saying that uh, you, know, you, don't, you don't work hard. I'm not saying you're not a believer. I'm not saying that you, got good, that you don't have good things going uh, for you. But I am saying that a God-given dream can be something that is so directional and a breath of fresh air for you that if you can latch on to it, like if you can hear it again, if you can, can see it again, um, it can be something that's very, very powerful for you. And so um, I just simply want to kind of open this topic up and talk about it. And if you leave today going, you know, God, I think I want to talk to you about this again then um, I've succeeded at what I wanted to succeed this morning. So I want to start by going to Joel uh, chapter 2 and just referencing it for a new dream. Now, 
There are some of you that equate dreaming to what you do after you've had Marco's pizza. You know, it's just like it's bad. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a horror. It's, it's scary to you, and you go, man, that was a bad dream. Uh, we also use that phrase when something in life is happening that's so terrible, we can't believe it's happening. And we say, am I dreaming? This has got to be a dream. But you were designed by God to experience dreaming and he even tells us that there would be those who receive dreaming as a gift, a gift from God. So in Joel chapter 2, he says that the old men will dream dreams. Now, old does not mean what we you know, deem it as being old. Okay? This word equates to mature. Okay? That the mature men will dream dreams, and our young men will have visions as gifts from God. And those can, again, equate to all kinds of things. Wisdom, direction, answers, resolve, things that they need to do in order to be completely in God's will and purpose for their, their life. But I think it's fair that we start with a definition of a dream. And I'm going to just pick this from the Oxford Dictionary. It says, it's a series of images thoughts, and emotions occurring during sleep, okay? It can be emotional, right? You ever had a dream and woke up and you were mad at somebody? Uh, woke, woke up and you were, you'd been crying or woke up and you'd been laughing? Uh, it can be emotional. But these dreams can be used by God or given by God to A, set people in motion, and B, to give insight. We, we can receive a dream from God, and it shakes us out of a state of being lazy or complacent. Um, there are over 40 references to dreams in the Bible and how they directed people or specifically shaped their future. God gave them a dream. It changed their life. It redirected them. It got them out of something. It got them in something. It filled them up, it encouraged them, and so on. Forty different examples of that. I'm, I'm going to give you just a, a few, but Joseph had a dream that changed his life, completely directed him. He later had a gift of interpreting those for other people, as to say, this is what the Lord is trying to tell you. Daniel could also interpret dreams. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream about the future of his kingdom, so it was a prophetic dream. Joseph was told in a dream not to be fearful of taking Mary as his wife and that she had conceived of the Holy Spirit. Mary and Joseph later were warned in a dream not to return to Herod. Solomon had a dream where the Lord said, ask me for anything. Pilate's wife told him that Christ was a just man and that she had suffered many things in a dream. Now, the second definition of a dream is this. It's something most desirable that forms in the imagination. So this is not the dream of sleep. This is the, um, I have a dream. This is, I've got something in me that I can see it here. And it's in my imagination, but it's not fleshed out yet. And I'm either trying to get you to buy into it, 
I'm trying to put it out in the world. I'm trying to make it part of my own reality. And this too is a dream from God. This too can be something that tells you this is the calling of God or the purposes of God on your life. You got something here, but it's so hard to even put into words. It's formed through the imagination and has a very unique way of marching from our mind into our heart. It becomes fuel for, for the daily life. The imagination is off in the road that the Holy Spirit will use to speak to you. He will shape you. He will give you insight into His plan through a dream. Moses was given his dream at a burning bush, at a, at a place where he couldn't believe what he was seeing, where rational thought and science and spirituality all were experienced in the same moment. And following that, his life completely changed its course. Gideon was given a dream from an angel. Abraham was given his dream from strangers. David, given his dream from a prophet. Paul, given his dream on the road to Damascus. But oftentimes we find ourselves leaving the dream that started here and maybe temporarily burned in your chest something that you said, this is it. This is what I want to do. This has got to be God's hand on my life, or this has got to be the purposes of my life. We often will leave those dreams to embrace adulthood, or the dreams of, of, of adulthood. And the dreams of childhood and the dreams of adulthood are very different. And sometimes we lose them because the bridge is so significant. It's like when you grow up, you understand that there's some things you're going to put away and some things uh, that are new that you're going to take up. You sacrifice uh, one for the other. You wave goodbye to one. You remember it. It was good. You reflect on it. It has shaped you, but you let it go to embrace a new season. You're turning a page. But your dream can follow you, and the dream sometimes has to evolve through different eras and seasons of time. We seize different moments of our dream depending on where, where we are physically, mentally, financially, relationally, emotionally. Where our heart is with faith is how we activate the dream according to different times and places of our life. The dream of childhood had no responsibilities. You are free to think about anything and everything. You're able to listen so much more than now. The dream of childhood did not worry about a salary package or had no concern over benefits or weeks of vacation allowed. But many times, these anxieties of adulthood cause us to lose faith in the once energetic dream that we had and muddle through life accepting the status quo or mediocre or remnant of what God could possibly achieve in us or through us. We 
basically say to God what Sarah said to God, which was, you missed your time to bless me. Had you done this when I was a young woman? Had you, had you talked to us about this when we were young people? Then we could fulfill this vision that you've, you've got for us. But Lord, you missed it. Okay, Your timing was off this time. We are the best at being our own attorney and going to God and trying to talk him out of what we believe he is saying to us. I don't have enough money for this vision. This dream is, is way too big. I don't, I don't have enough people. I don't have the time for this. I don't have the skill set for this. I don't have the energy for this. But I'm raising kids. I feel like I'm drowning here. And we will argue with God about why we shouldn't have a particular dream, why we should let it go, why it's wise for us not to pursue it. The story of the Exodus reveals a pattern that you can see many times throughout Scripture regarding God's dream for us. I'm going to read this pattern, and I want you to see if you recognize any of these steps in, in your own life. The first step, you become aware of God's dream for your life, and then you make a conscious effort to follow it. So you sense it, you know it's there, you've heard it, You've seen it, you felt it, you can't forget about it, you're spending energy with it, so you finally make, make a choice, I'm going to go for this. The second one is this, you encounter opposition from those around you. Not everybody's going to like your dream, support your dream, believe in your dream, think you can do your dream, and you're going to bump up against a wall of opposition. Third, you're going to endure seasons of difficulty that tests your faith, a curveball, something hard will happen in, in life. You will lose something. You will have to fight through your own thoughts, battle with your own mind, deal with your own demons in order to test your faith. Then you will fight giants that stand between you and the fulfillment of what you believe your dream is. Something that's big and loud and obnoxious and strong and beating its drum, wanting you to come closer. And then next, because of endurance, because you chose to stay the course, you finish it. You achieve it. You arrive there. And you look back over the journey and realize that you had a dream, it kept you alive, it kept you going, it kept you being, being straight to the course, but it was tough. It was hard. And many of you have seen this pattern repeat in your life, maybe multiple times over. For some of you this morning, you're stuck in one of these processes. You've slowed Maybe you've folded your dream up neat, neat, neatly and you've tucked it away in your coat or your handbag. you got it in your pocket still, but you haven't looked at it in a while because you don't want to be disappointed in yourself or in God or your spouse or where you are or what you gave up on or the pace. But you know it's there, but it's no longer the priority and you feel stuck many months or years in one of these steps that I just talked to you about. 
But I have some good news, and I want you to hear this statement today. If you walk away with one thing, walk away with this next sentence. If you are here today, and you are frustrated with your dream, then it is still alive in you. If you're here this morning and you're still wrestling with it, if you're still trying to put your hand on it, if you're still trying to figure it out, then it's still alive in you, and that means this, it's still attainable. God is still in some way dealing with it. He's touching the nerve in your life. He's bringing a memory back to you, a feeling back to you, a scene to you. Now, whether you believe this or not, it's, up, it's irrelevant, honestly. Because it's, it's my experience. This was my personal experience. But when I was 16 years old, I was at a church camp just going. I thought at that point in my life I wanted to do something in healthcare. didn't really know. I was 16. And one night in a service, service is almost over. We're kind of wrapping things up. And I have, I've always called it a vision But I saw myself preaching. And I was so confused as to the the why. And man, I don't I don't know that that's really what, what I what I want. And I knew it wasn't me because I would have never dreamed that up on my own. But I saw this image of myself speaking. But what happened after it is what's more important than what I saw. It became just like this, like a burden, just a a burden sitting on my chest. Still didn't know what to do with it. I began to tell God all the things that all of you have said to God. I can't can't do this. Don't uh there God, there are no there are no preachers, pastors, communicators in my family. That's not what what we do. We were, as far as we can go back, we were all farmers. We we were all just people who worked hard. That's as far as I can see on Ancestry.com. We were just farm owners. There's nobody in this line who can even bestow upon me the knowledge of even how to get started in this. What do I do with this? And for years, and I, I've joked before about this, but I began to, you know, as I, as I would get what I would call a sermon, I'd write it down. Nobody to talk to about it, but I'd just write. And then I had a, what we called a jam box. Anybody with me? Come on. Come on, jam box people. Don't you leave me hanging right here. Okay. I had a jam box. I'd go back to my my bedroom and I'd put a cassette in there. If you don't know what a cassette is, I'd put a cassette on and uh, I'd put a humdinger in there. You know, it'd be like a just a a choir, you know, just shredding it or something. And then I'd, I'd preach my sermon to nobody. And it sounds comical if I had done it once. But this was like a four-year process. (laughs) And I would just talk it out, talk it out, talk it out, talk it out. Nobody. 
I'd preached for four years and nobody had got saved. It was just me rededicating my life to the Lord over and over again. And I think sometimes that's how it feels. Not just for me, but you get something, you don't know what to do with it, you got nobody to talk to about it. It burns, it's heavy on you. You're seeing it begin to come out of you in some way. You think, well, God, I'm already trained in one area. How am I supposed to segue to this other area? Uh, you know, my, my life is already on a trajectory for this. We got all kinds of reasons. I'm too young, I'm too old. I'm too smart in one area. I'm already an expert over here. I've already been a success. I've already failed. God, God, I've done this relationally. I've done this financially. I'm an emotional train wreck. I'm not a person full of faith. And the list just goes on and on and on and on and on. But nonetheless, you got a dream in you that's big and bold and wants to do something. It will come out at some point. It is still alive in you if you're wrestling with it. So, for some as I read these steps of becoming aware of God's dream and making a decision to follow it and leaving a place of comfort and encountering opposition and enduring seasons of difficulty and fighting giants and then finally enduring and reaching a part of your goal you, you feel a certain way, and I'm going to try to clarify this. As I read that, you go, you know, I'm really confused this morning because I don't have a dream. I don't, I don't, I don't have anything like, like that. I just, I get up, I do life, I survive, I make it through. I'm doing the best I can to be responsible, but I don't have anything in me that's just on fire. So I'm confused. For some of you, you are frustrated. You feel like, I, I'm inventing my own dream. Like, I don't have any God help. I'm, I'm out here using my gifts and talents and ability to the best I can, and I, I am inventing my own stuff. And I don't feel like God is with me on it. For some of you, you are a person of low self-esteem. And every time you look at something big, you cower down because of how you view yourself. So when you hear something like this, you might say, I have a dream, but it's not important. I have something that's in me, but it probably won't, it won't help anybody. There's always an and or a but, some conjunction in there that deflates what you're thinking about. Some of you are passive. You got, you know, I got a dream, but it's really up, up to God to finish this. You know, it's really his dream in me, so when he's ready, he'll get started, or I'll bump into the right connection. I'll win the, the lottery. So, something will happen, really, to kick the dream off, and once the perfect thing rolls out, I'm on board. And you're just passive about it. And then there are some of you, you are extremely disappointed and you've reached a certain decade where you feel like life has shifted for you. Like you, you don't have the energy you used to have. You're at a place where you're like, I just want to enjoy my grandbabies. That's, that's, that's a whole dream for me. And so you, you talk to God about this. You say, listen, I had a dream once. You know, I was in my 20s or my 30s. I had a dream once. 
but it's too late to complete it. Let me begin just some uh, application here quickly by saying what you do is usually a result of what you believe. Now, Craig Groeschel says it this way. He says, what we value will shape what we do. So if I go with the original, what you do is usually a result of what you believe, some of you are stuck right now because you're believing all the wrong things. You believe you can't do it. You believe it's too late. You believe God doesn't speak this way. You, you believe a lot of things, and because of that, the dream in you is aborted. It can't thrive. The soil is too rocky. It's too heavy. It needs to be overturned. And that can only happen through a work of the Holy Spirit. You need to bring back your belief system into an area where the Holy Spirit can churn the soil again and begin to nurture the dream that is inside you. In Scripture, anytime someone had a significant dream, there was a few things that they did. The first one, they shared it with someone they felt that they could trust. If you got a dream, you need to get it out, right? You got to put it out there. Nobody cares you're on a diet until you tell people. Right? Come on, somebody. Nobody cared that you walked into the break room and ate 10 donuts. Nobody cared until you told everybody you were on a diet. And then you go in and you eat donuts and they say, I thought you were on a diet. Nobody cares until you get it out. you got to tell somebody what's in you, what's burning in there, what you feel the Lord is speaking to you. Like you don't cast your pearls before swine. you got to find somebody who loves you and cares about you, a mentor, a parent, a friend, a spouse, somebody who's got your best interest in mind and disclose your, your dream. The second thing they did, they prayed for clear steps to complete it. Okay, you got to ask God, what do I do to get through this? For me, it was starting with a jam box and a, and a legal notepad in the bedroom of my parents' house speaking to nobody. That was the first step for me. It, it, it's it's got to begin somewhere where you go, this is the dream that is inside of me. Then you're going to face some opposition. Something's going to come against you. Something's going to say, uh-uh, uh-uh. This isn't good. Don't want you to do it. And opposition is real. It's not a dream. Okay? It's not something that comes in, in your sleep. Opposition is very real. Then they fulfilled what God asked of them because their obedience allowed God to finish it. Listen, you've got to stay in a place where your dream is heating up and heating up and heating up and heating up. A, a silly example of that is this. Steam is formed at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. At 211 degrees, it will do nothing. But at 212, it'll move a train. You've got to keep the steps going. Stay hot. Stay on top of it. Keep, keep it going. Keep it moving in your life. 
because you're going to see the temperature rise in your dream slowly but significantly. And it'll go from 100 to 120 to 160 to 180. And you'll look and go, this thing is not doing anything. But when you go from 211 to 212, there is a shift that takes place. It's a tipping point for the dream in, in your life. A door could open that changes your entire perspective on everything. So be sure you're staying hot toward that. I haven't, that was all my introduction. I'm, I'm out, I do this often. <laughs> I feel bad because I think I got all the time in the world. Let me, let me get, get through these. We don't have a second service. I can preach till noon if I want. Y'all can leave if you want to. It may be just, I've preached to nobody in my mama's house. I can do it again. First thing is this. Being cozy can be a trap. If you're here today and you feel cozy, I'm talking to you. If you're here and you're cozy and you're comfortable and you've been that way for a long time, I want to talk to you because Moses was comfortable. Moses had come to grips with what he had done, no one in the world cared where Moses was. And that's true. Nobody cared. Nobody was looking for him. Nobody was thinking about him. He had a job. He had a family. He had a father-in-law that was good to him. He had a good thing going. And we often think that if we feel uncomfortable with our dream, it's not from God. But when you hear from God, you'll be the first to point out your own weakness. Moses said, God... I stutter like crazy. There's no way I can go and be your communicator and set these people free. There is no way. You have, you have missed the mark on, on this one. That was his. Gideon said, Lord, I am weak. As a matter of fact, I'm the weakest person in the whole clan. You have got me wrong. Abraham said, I'm too old. What are you saying? What things have, have I said? before God, to try and, and talk him out of, of seeing my life with bigger purpose than I see myself. Because the big truth of it is this, God may not heal your weakness. Yes, you might be old, and you might be weak, and you might stutter, and he may never heal that. As far as we know, Moses always stuttered. But God will give you the tools and the resources you need to get it done. You will have unexpected opposition. Unexpected opposition. It begins with the culture in which we live. It begins with the way we were taught. It begins with the exposure we had to our, to our families and mentors and all those things. Now, I, I, I do this occasionally, and I'm, 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 I'm going to prove this to you, that culture speaks to us in negative connotation. I'm going to start a phrase, and I want you to finish it, okay, out loud with your mouth, not in your head. Let me say it out, out loud, okay? Let, let's, let, let's finish these. What goes up must come down. Don't put all your eggs. You can't have your cake. It's better to be safe. Keep both feet. It's too, if it's too good to be true. Okay, so we got all these things, and this is just a handful of things that say, whoa, 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 be careful. Don't do it. Don't, don't, don't jump. Okay? If, if, 
If all your friends jump off a bridge, come on, southern people, where where are you? Are you going with them? You know, keep in mind that sometimes the subtle voice of your friends can put you on pause. Your friend who is fearful will say, your dream doesn't sound safe. Your friend who is traditional will say, your dream has never been done this way before. Are you sure? You sure this is what the Lord wants? Your friend who is cynical will say, your dream is not possible. Your friend who is the contender will say, I'm not going to let you follow this dream. I love you too much to watch you make a fool out of yourself. There's always going to be opposition. Sometimes you are even married to your pessimist. Or you have lunch with them every Wednesday at noon. This is important. When you look at your spiritual pessimist, you need to ask yourself this important question. Do they have a problem with me or with my dream? Because... Sadly, those who love you the most sometimes are the first to get jealous of your dream. You don't believe that? Ask Joseph. I I love this story. He said, guys, listen, gather around. Y'all are going to love this. The Lord just spoke to me, and I had a dream that all y'all were bowing down to me. How awesome is that? He woke up in a pit. Okay, When he regained consciousness... He woke up in a hole in the ground. They were like, "Uh uh-uh. That's not going to happen. We're never going to bow to you. We're not doing this mess. And then they sold him into slavery. And the story goes on and on and on. So who are we going to please? God, family, God, friends. Whose voice is the loudest in my life when it comes to my dream? Some of you might be here this morning. And unfortunately, at some point in your life, at some place in your journey, A person that you gave weight to, that you value, talked you out of the dream that you had. I'm going to close with this. Do you know that even today, the Sinai Peninsula is one of the driest, bleakest, uninhabited places on the planet? The children of Israel spent 40 years there in pursuit of what God wanted them to do And it makes us ask the question, how long do we want to spend our lives in dry places, uninhabited, bleak places? So here's my practical walk away. I'm going to give this to you in 60 seconds. They all start with the letter I. They do that because I'm a preacher and that's how we do it. You need to identify why am I still here? Why am, I, why am I doing what I'm doing? This is not easy. It's a conversation you've got to have with yourself, and sometimes it's uncomfortable. Second thing, you need to investigate. Investigate the places in your life that are still defeated, the places where you can't heal, the places where you won't let it go, the places where you won't move forward, the places that are constantly going in circles in the driest places of your existence. Investigate the why. Third, increase the amount of time that you are focusing on your dream. If you've got it, and it's in your handbag, or it's in your coat pocket, and you fold it up, and you know it's there, get it out. Look at it again. Stare at it. Put your hand on it. Shed tears over it. Come back to 
what you feel that you've seen and heard in the Spirit. And lastly, instill your commitment to finish it. I believe personally there's a lot of people who God spoke to, God wanted to just wring them out of their potential. But they came to the end of their lives still full. One of my favorite verses about David, it said, He served his generation and then he died. I love that. He, he emptied himself. He wanted to make sure whatever is in me, I, I want to do it. If that's to be a giant killer, if it's to be a visionary, if it's to bring the ark back, if it's to repent, you know, keep in mind, it was in David's heart. It was David's dream to build a temple. God said, there's too much blood on your hands to build something so holy. I'll have to do it through, through your son. And I'll promise you that. But it was burning in him. He wanted to do it. So I'm talking to everybody here who's stuck, who's been talked out of your dream, who adulted it to death. I can't think about it, Kevin. I got a mortgage to pay. I can't think about it. I got kids to raise. I can't think about it. I'm dealing, my, my, my parents are, are at a stage I got to take care of them. I, I, don't, I don't have time for God's dream in my life. And I, I know that you wouldn't say that out loud. But our actions dictate that we've put things on the back burner. I want you to walk out of here today revisiting it. What is it that God has for you to do? What's the dream? What's the dream? All right. Father, I pray over our church today. I pray for all the things over all the years that you've spoken to us. God, just like you spoke to me in a church camp and when I was a 16-year-old kid, I'm not alone in that. There may be many here that had teenage years full of spiritual experiences. God, you are the giver of dreams. So I pray you rekindle and you restir every dream in this room. Every dream. Everything that that we want, that we've we've poured water on, that we've cooled down, that we've put on the back burner of our lives. God, would you just restir? God, bring us back to a place where we've got a fire in our belly about what we can do for the world.